0: Man, sometimes I just have to pinch myself because I am so grateful uh, for where this platform is at right now, where this podcast has gone over the last seven years. Um, You know, it hasn't been quite seven, but January will be seven years since we launched this podcast. And you know, today we're bringing on a guest that it's it's so crazy how the connections in this world happen. You know, I found this uh, gentleman through social media, but it was because of a I'm a fan of a certain fighter, Alan Belcher who posted about this guy and I started following this guy for a couple of weeks and I was like, man, I really would love to get this guy on my podcast. I'm going to, you know, shoot for the stars and reach out to him. And, you know, he got back to me pretty quickly and I was like, holy cow. And here we are um, providing an amazing interview for all of the listeners here on my podcast platform. Unbelievable insight that's about to be provided to you guys today. Uh, He's a, basically, I don't want to call him a mobility specialist. He's the movement doc. He's teaching, you know, people, athletes and, and, and just, you know, anybody, the, the, the importance and the intricacies of movement and how the body functions properly. And, and, uh, it's really, really insightful. Um, I personally have found immense benefits from a lot of his content that's on Instagram because it's caused me to think of things in a different way, especially in the athletic world. And so today we're going to be learning about some of that insight. We're going to be talking about knee health. We're going to just be talking about, you know, some of the traditional training that we see athletes going through today and how we could potentially, you know, um, apply some new ideas to that. You know what I mean? So that we can help uh, prevent injuries as well as help provide a better performance. And, you know, we're going to be talking about some of the athletes he's worked with and what he's learned from them and, you know, where we can find information from him. I mean, it's, it's jam-packed full of information today. So I encourage you guys to tune in and get ready to take notes. I I really appreciate everybody tuning in and, you know, supporting the podcast platform. Again, I'm just super, super grateful. So get ready. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost. This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show. We are just about at seven years running now. Uh in January, it'll be seven years since the beginning of the show. And I just want to say thank you once again uh to everybody out there. If you've listened to a million episodes of mine, you'll be like, hey, you say it every week. But I'll tell you guys thank you for for tuning in. If this is your first time listening. Awesome! Welcome aboard. The reason that we have grown so much is because of the guests that are on our show and the listeners of the podcast. Um, that's it's all organic, and I'm just super appreciative. Just a guy from Idaho who started this show in my kitchen back in the day, and now it's grown into 182 countries in all 50 states, and that's in in large part due to the support. It takes a village, and I'm well aware of that. So I just want to express my gratitude for everybody who's tuned in over the years and who will continue to support. So thank you guys so much. Um, as you guys heard in the introduction, this is a very um, special episode for me i'm i'm talking to a guy who if this it's a weird thing through social media but i'm a fan of a fighter whose name is alan Belcher. i've just always kind of followed him as a fighter anyway and then like kind of seen his progression over the last couple of years in the bare knuckle world he randomly posted uh some trainings with this this is our guest here um and and i was i started following this guy and lo and behold i actually have started utilizing some mobility and i'll get into that here in a second just some stuff off of his page like dude i'm i incorporated that into my daily routine now over the last three weeks and uh now i got to i get the opportunity to actually chat with the guy uh because i'm like really intrigued with the work that he does it's the movement doc his name is robbie ellis robbie thanks for joining the show man
1: oh glad to be here brother
0: man you're 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 awesome you work you do a, you do a lot of good work. And what I was just alluding to was this, uh, I came across a video that you did, um, once I started following you and you were working with some fighters and doing some hip mobility. And it's like a five minute routine of like doing some hip mobility and like just kind of getting the joints all, you know, getting them all ready to rock and roll. And Lube I do, Yeah, dude, it's, it's sick, man. It's like the way that you explain things to your, your clients, Uh, the way you explain things on social media it's a way that's like comprehensive like it's easy to comprehend that information and then uh, implement it pretty much immediately so i'm a big fan of the way in which not just the content you create but actual like the substance behind it all like you actually have valid information it's like not just a talking head so i love it um so so robbie i want to get a little bit of background about you before you you know got into the neuro orthopedic or you know movement specialist role uh, of, of work did you have an athletic background um growing up or anything
1: yeah actually I was a football player and um I put my time and energy into really developing myself in that lane I use it as a vehicle to you know for college and um and it was really important to me um we actually um we won the first and only state championship my senior year high school and it was like our claim to fame and then uh i got a scholarship to nickel state university which is a small one double a college down in thibodeau louisiana uh if you watch the water boy it's probably the closest thing that uh you could look at to give you an idea of uh, that area um but really my, uh, and my foundation really came through my pursuit, uh, initially as an athlete, um, and really doing a lot of things the wrong way. And a lot of the training, um, and the development, um, of my own body and trying to manage injuries and trying to, uh, perform well, you know, um, and then obviously when football's over, there's this, uh, almost avoid, you know, the, the, once you kind of um, clear that competitive window, it's really in the prime of your life. Um, but what I found is, um, I, I was really kind of shallow, um, in terms of, I put a lot of emphasis on things that were football related, and my identity as a football player. And um, what I learned is, I was really um, missing out on a lot of of, of who I am, you know? And, and so a lot of personal discovery for me started once football ended. And uh, and I realized there's so much more out there. And, uh, and I've always found an attraction to martial arts because I feel like it's the most honest um, on the football field or in team sports. You can always, you know, if you have a play where you're not going 100% uh, sometimes your teammates pick up your slack and so there's sometimes where it's not as uh honest like if i can uh if i take a play off for instance and my teammate makes the tackle and it's like well nobody really knew you know it's not really uh never even gets kind of highlighted Um, But in martial arts, I just always appreciate and respect the fact that these guys are operating in an arena, just like a golfer or anybody uh, that's a solo pursuit where everything, you you know, everything you do is there and the truth is being told. And anything, if you take, uh, if you're a fighter and you decide that you're going to take some time off, you're going to, you're going to lose, you know, and it's going to be very obvious and it's exposed, you know. So I think that was my initial attraction to um, to martial arts, and also because the consequences are so great, you know. And it's um, what I've learned is that it's really you're fighting. Every martial artist or fighter competitively is fighting fear, and um, and that's the commonality. Some of them are aware of it, and some of them aren't. Uh, some some of them are deflecting. And some of them are dealing with it in a healthy, productive way. And uh, and so through my own exploration as a martial artist and through um, working with a lot of different fighters, um, I feel like it's given uh, me a lot of insight into the, the human form and the way we're really intended uh, to move and function and operate is based off of uh, ancestrally, like, um, we're really built to, uh, protect ourselves and from other humans, (laughs) you know, and, uh, that's really our biggest threat as a, as a, as a being or a species. Um, and so I think that's really interesting. Um, but traditionally my background, uh, outside of that is, uh, you know, I started personal training and, working with athletes, and I love the performance world. But I, I realized that to prepare myself and to be that person that I needed to be um, phys- uh, the doctorate of physical therapy is really what I am found to be like the highest level of of knowledge it's, or it's kind of the authority, if you will, on uh, human movement and, and performance. So I went that route and I got my doctorate from a uh, University of Mississippi in Jackson, and, uh, and there's a lot that went into that. But, uh, once I got out of there, my, my main goal was to establish a private practice. Um, but in doing so you kind of need to learn the ropes. So I jumped right into a very busy outpatient clinic and uh into a management role there and really just try to treat it like it was my own business and i always looked at it as it is my passion and heart to help people at that level but um and it's a part of my craft it's a part of what i do it's part of who i am um but it's also not everything either um my heart has always really been in high performance and so i kind of thought of it i need to build a business and um and a machine that can really um, be self-sustaining that way i can then redirect my attention energy and time to what i love which is uh, high level performance and working with athletes and so about four years ago um you know my business has is, is been done very well and i have over 40 employees and we have four locations and we're building a new facility at our primary location, that it will actually include a performance center where I can kind of get in there and play and do my thing now without being in the middle of everything and almost interrupting things. So, um, so to come full circle, that's kind of in a nutshell, my background all the way to kind of where we are today, um, professionally. And then, um, over the last four years, what I've really done is just focused on, putting myself in positions to just grow and learn and um and almost put my white belt back on from a from as a performance coach um in a sense like I didn't want to walk into this world and act like I was just credible just because of my background as a physical therapist because it is a different setting and there's a different application um so I really um said you know what that's what i'm going to do i'm just going to start from scratch and uh and i really um have just continue to just try to develop and and kill my ego every day and try to walk into um to the world as a, a you know mechanism to learn and grow and uh work with these guys and um and it's really helped me develop a really unique uh philosophy on health and wellness and performance
0: yeah. You know, what's interesting is you're talking, I take notes on this myself while I'm learning from from you. Um, one thing I noted down right here on my phone while you're talking was just your willingness to learn. And then you just mentioned, like, you put your white belt on, you know, metaphorically speaking. So it's like, mm-hmm. I was writing that down. Cause like from a scholastic standpoint, academic standpoint, obviously you did some grad work. You You did a lot of school. Like you learning is a big thing for you. And then I also, like I wrote that down because even just following you, from a content creator perspective, just listening to your Instagram stuff that you've been like those, those clips that you'll put up. Um, I'm like, man, he's always like, he's got to be learning constantly to be able to like apply certain things to certain sports. And so everybody's got a little bit different. He's got, and then you just mentioned there, like you're, you're constantly learning. So I think that's really cool um, that you have that knowledge and that desire to learn. Once you learn how to learn, learning becomes fun. But I think a lot of kids hate learning. A lot of people hate learning because school kind of like ruins that for people. No one really like learns how to learn. But once you learn it, and you're like, dude, this is really amazing, um, yeah. and it's obviously helped you in your field. Like as you progress throughout your career and whatever it might be, I just thought that was pretty cool. you that they're, that they're, that actually speaks to like it makes so much sense now to me. Like following you on social media and the way in which you articulate information and you project that information, it's so easy to understand. That's probably because you're always learning and you have this ability to do that. So I just wanted to say that. Um, okay, I have a and, question. And well, oh, well okay,
1: empathy. Ahead. Well, just follow up. It, empathy. It, to me it's like a, a primary trait that i feel like if we all really operated with it uh, we could learn so much more right because i know my perspective but what i'm really interested in is learning yours you know what i mean and i think with uh, with the with the proper empathy at the core um and the the idea behind really pursuing your perspective uh i feel like that is in a sense a way to learn almost double and then also when you learn with the intention of sharing right so everything i'm learning um as i'm learning it i'm really are i'm already intending on sharing this that's my my role is a i'm a conduit i'm a vessel or a funnel for information to distribute but It's not mine you know uh these, but I, but I, I serve as a, a mechanism to try to funnel and package it and, and, and help uh, provide it to other people in a method that is understandable, meeting them where they're at. And that's my intention, right? I guess you could say. Sometimes I'll probably hit the mark better than others, but um, I think that's the goal. And the hardest part for me is uh, direction. Right, because there's so many different people with so many different problems. And I could speak towards orthopedic, you know, clinical issues or pain or fibromyalgia or chronic conditions like that. Or we we can speak on um, the highest level of performance and and specific movement techniques uh, that can um, essentially optimize performance, you
0: know. Yeah, for sure, man. This is awesome. Um, you, you know one thing you you mentioned earlier this is actually kind of flows into another question that I was gonna bring up to you today is you talked about like when you know going you, you were a, you were an athlete yourself football it was a vehicle through college too I mean you got a scholarship nickel State like you 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 got this opportunity to compete I was thinking back you know I coach high school athletes for basketball but at the club level so AAU basketball for travel teams and so forth but I'm around a lot of high school athletics and I remember myself as a high school athlete you know there was a huge focus on weightlifting, right robbie like i mean it was just like we wanted to get into the 1200 pound club if you were on the football team so you, between your deadlift your power clean your bench you needed to hit 1200 pounds right um 1600 if you were really good or whatever so power clean deadlift bench and squat sorry you wanted 1600 if you could do them all and so anyway like i i, I see a lot of kids these days are focused on the the weight and there's a lot of things Anyway, I think it's just like common knowledge, but like a lot of, we get the weight up and I'd see, you know, it doesn't matter form, whatever. But then later yeah. on down the line, we're dealing with knee pain, back pain, hip pain, whatever, all of us, myself included shoulder issues. Now, like it's uh it's interesting. So I wanted to ask your insight on that for the younger generation, because I've seen some of the work you do. It, it seems like there's some younger athletes that you
1: work with oh, as well. It's yeah. not oh, just yeah. all
0: professional level style. Oh, athletes look, I,
1: I work with old people, young people. I've, I've worked with pediatrics in my career and successfully like, it's actually helped inform me a lot to how I work with athletes, you know? Yeah. But, so um, my, I, yeah,
0: go, go ahead, ahead. I'm
1: sorry.
0: No, go ahead. I keep cutting you off. My bad.
1: Okay. So the the idea is uh, I was that guy too, like in high school. I was the guy pursuing the 1,500-pound club. We call it a 1,500-pound club. But the idea is, is that um, it didn't matter how. Like, you just get it. you got to get there, right? We want our names on that. You know, we want glory, and we want to be uh, – what do we really want we just want to be respected and we want to be validated um i think at the core can you hear me okay mm-hmm. i keep messing with this but it's messing with the uh, sound um i think we really just want to be validated as men or as boy young boys um in 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 a way where you know we're trying to form our identity and and i think i was just like i spoke to earlier um i really bought into that singular focus and that identity in, in that special, that specialty lane as a football player. Um, and I think it's very normal. Uh, and I think a lot of the conflictions that I help people with today is really built off the foundation of how we wanted to be validated as children and, and growing you know, and learning young people. Um, and a big part of my practice is really investigating those, um, where, where these things come from and realizing that it's okay. It's just part of growth. I once was a boy and now I'm a man, it's a path of wisdom. It's a path of mastery. It's, um, always confronting yourself (laughs) and realizing that the, um, where those seeds get planted sometimes and really being able to reflect and investigate those things are what give you the ability to transcend and to, to step into new higher levels. And, um, but I also think giving yourself the grace and to be like, you know what, this is what, this is what we're supposed to do. You know, you need to know what the other side is like. And those ego driven pursuits um, are important as competitors, you know, cause your, your ego is what allows you to take action, um, but it also can, it's what can trap you. And it, it can really, it's a narrative generator that tells me who I am. That can stop me from learning who I really am, you know. And so um, I think it's a huge uh, component of of performance that gets overlooked is what we're talking about and how the 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 limitations are the labels, and it's the. Uh, the, the the traps that we're that we actually fall into while we're trying to develop our identities and we're trying to be validated and we're looking for respect that's what we want as men right yeah. and ultimately um, some of those milestones are very important um, it's important to have uh, some goals and some aspirations and to really push yourself to the next to another level physically right and um and that's what men respect you know it's that we want that respect i think too there are levels where we need validation in certain ways um in order to move forward you know and it's important to establish some of that criteria but the biggest thing i always look at is whether i'm trying to pursue a 1500 pound club and i'm looking for a deadlift and a squat and the bench press um what I look at now in terms of how I, what I would look to help young people aspire to is to really look at the the conditions and does it match what our goals are? If I'm a football player and I'm running a lot and I'm very rarely movement action, like that's not a part of the, the function of playing football. Um, other than getting into an athletic position and getting out of an athletic position, right? I mean, it doesn't match the skill set we're trying to push. Everything that we're trying to push uh, for athletes should be based off of a split lunge. It should be based off of running and counter-rotating the body and turning and moving. Um, And having a very adaptable ways of doing that. And when you look at a lot of the injuries and ACLs and meniscus and all these, these knee injuries and these problems that we see on the field, it's because we're overemphasizing linear planes of motion and we're hammering those neural patterns in, but they don't match what we're doing on the field. Does that make sense? And even a basketball player for jumping, you could say, okay, well, it matches a broad jump, you know, a squat pattern or something like that, or like it's, it matches that. Well, most of the time we're doing it from a sumo position, which is really only good for lifting heavy weights. So if we're training power lifters, then that's a great 1500 pound club is a great benchmark. And we should all hang that up there. And that's what we should shoot for. But if we're training football players or baseball players or soccer players, um we need to reconfigure the the milestones that we're setting for children to aspire to and so um but in the same token give grace to the fact that we're gonna we we're gonna do uh we're gonna continue to do what we've learned and we're going to condition our future generation how we were conditioned if we don't challenge the conditions from before right and um I think of it like uh, where that becomes difficult is so many performance coaches and people in this world, they're dogmatized without, maybe they don't even really realize it. And their adherence to the system or anything that goes against it is a threat to their own identity as a performance coach, right? Because you're threatening my livelihood now by questioning my system or whatever I'm doing, you know, and that's a part of why I always think of it like having grace is so important because um, I'm always challenging these things. And I'm kind of confronting coaches and trainers and different people all the time uh, against their own beliefs. And what I'm, I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is really stimulate their thinking to help reconfigure the proportions that were de- how we're, we're, it's not a matter of uh, that's the wrong thing. It's just, we're prioritizing it improperly. Maybe it's the best way to say it. Right. And so the the goal for me is to help, um, the, the break down the dogmatism and the, the labels and as limitations, I believe to be limitations, um, that we kind of get behind and realize that it's okay. Um, If we have been doing things wrong or if maybe we confront ourselves and be like, oh, maybe there's something I could do differently. That's fine. That's great. That's how we learn. It's how we grow. And now we just we do better tomorrow. Um, But I think that we're we're talking about something that is a key component to helping kids develop. And I think the best thing we can do from my perspective is say, like, look, if we're going to seek this 1500 pound club, we need to realize what we're compromising right and and i think that's now it's an informed choice and now they have a little bit more insight as to where this isn't like the holy grail and this isn't if i get my name up there it's like well most of the guys that were up there sucked the football <laughs> you know there are some guys up there that, that 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 weren't really that great at football but were really great powerlifters and other things they played football they, they were successful maybe a good successful high school athlete And you have your occasional five-star freak that just, of course, just is just good at everything and, you know, it is what it is. But for most average people to reach those type of of numbers, um, they really have to work hard. And they're having to drill in these these repetitions of movements that probably don't relate to what they're trying to be good at on the field. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%
0: this is such good insight man like I really want to emphasize this too for the listeners this um whether you're brand new to listen to the shows might be your first time because you know Robbie or you're just interested in the topic or if you're a, a listener that's been with me for almost seven years especially the parents and the and the the young athletes um take note of this rewind this and like kind of just understand that and it's just like Robbie said I love what you said man is um you know some people they feel threatened you know a little bit it's you didn't say they feel threatened but it's like that I can see it as a coach or a trainer they're like hold up what's this Robbie guy talking about he's gonna like completely change what but it's no it's just to give him a different perspective so if you're a younger athlete just take a different perspective of it that's what I love like as I've gotten older I'm I'm 35 I shouldn't say only 35 I feel like I'm 60 now but I like I love watching (laughs) I love watching stuff from like you and and experts in this field cuz it's it has changed my mind. Like I literally go and I play basketball. I used to Robbie, I used to be able to just like even in, in my like early 30s, I was like go and just play. But now I got to warm up. So I do a mobility thing that you do like hips and then I sure. I'm doing my lats, my circles with my arms, getting all my like dude, I, I do the whole thing cuz I can't get away with it anymore. My knees hurt. So like I I have a different perspective on it now, but I would love the younger generation to like, you know, maybe start thinking that way now. And, sure. uh, one of the things I, I, I wanted to ask you is I'm intrigued with your, um, emphasis on, on, on the knees. There was a, a couple of videos. I've seen you working with a couple of athletes, the knees over toes guy. Like he's a, you know, for some people in the sports world, he's become a big deal. Like, oh sure. man, this really works. But I've seen you actually like implement a lot of that kind of work, but then also add your own twist to it. Um, do you mind sharing anything about like sure, just yeah. knee health and what you kind yeah. of implemented into your oh, training?
1: So, um, and I love what he's doing. And I love um, what, when I look at Instagram, I, I look at there's pros and cons and everything else. And obviously, the cons are it's um, just as an institution, it's very, it, it, it can, it easily allows people to stay on the surface. And at least it, it helps people's need to categorize and classify people um which is uh, again that to me is a trap and again part of my message is really trying to break down some of that and realize that um just like knee over toe well what it really does is it simplifies and puts into a box well i have a knee problem or i've had knee issues and so i could do i need to there's the knee guy right um in this program uh that i can follow but if you really look at the program, it's not a lot of. It's like yeah, a lot of there are specifics to the knee, but if you look at it, most of it is addressing hip mobility. Most of it is addressing the ankle and foot, um, and so that's a part of the clinical practice of I would say of any successful physical therapist or or performance coach is that they're already implementing a lot of the things that that he's kind of bringing into the public and and making it more popular and things of that nature um but and again speaking of the split lunge if you look at the program um and it's built off of charles poliquin's uh mind and a lot and and i know uh, ben patrick does a good job at really giving credit where credit's due and i believe in that as well because we're all stewards of information just like i said we're all conduits of bringing things forward so it is important to not i feel like um, when people are trying to hold on to their intellectual property, they're forgetting that they're just ripping it off from somebody else. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. They might be packaging it differently, but it's really the same thing, you know. Um, and so that's what part of this is I've always confronted those things and looked at it like I don't really have anything to prove um, in terms of the – that that world and how that works what i like is the idea of the commonalities and connections that these systems and programs have and take taking those good things but then also realizing where the limitations are with those systems right Mm -hmm. um and when it comes to the knees health in general it's a it's a part of a system right and if you look at the functions that are are, that are really important to motion um most movements what we're forgetting um just like in nature or there's a spiraling nature right like if you look at a punch it's not uh, right it's a spiraling nature of of the punch there's a rotation that exists in that system same thing with the lower body when you propel yourself and you push off and, and you're running right that back leg as it's pushing off the ground is is internally rotating and torquing into the ground right and then when you're lifting this front leg it's, it's lifting but it's also externally rotating as it's as that knee lifts in the front and so there's this spiraling nature of movement that is really the the magical essence of how the fascia how we can use the fascia and connect and generate power and momentum by leveraging the whole body um and so when you look at knee health it's usually because of what i believe is a lot of what we talked about earlier with the 1500 pound club or whatever 16 1400 pound whatever y'all's was but the idea is that when we're working all these linear based motions but we're forgetting the foundation of movement is about me getting from where i'm sitting to somewhere else to explore or to um to grab to eat to 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 use the bathroom like we forget in a sense we we compartmentalize but we, we forget that movement and locomotion is really the foundation of human functioning um, and that's the core basic right now i could sit here and talk about posture and this movement that exists in this space here but i still have to eat I still have to use a bathroom i still have to do these things so locomotion is in a sense it's a primary necessity that needs to be the top priority um, and when you look at uh, even in terms of um, your 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 most programming it's it's really not considering that it's not considering the, that gate for instance is the most used function right you're the average person steps walks up about 4,000 steps a day. So if you account for that, if you're doing it poorly, that's 4,000 poor neurologic repetitions, right? And you got to think everything you're doing is, in a sense, being represented in your brain, right? So if you're doing really bad reps, then you're essentially you're programming that in as uh, it becomes the pattern because you got to think your body is an automated system. It's just like we're programming AI, right? Um, it's like the artificial intelligence. Um, but this is an artificial, this is biologic, right? But this is how it's the analogy that we can kind of use to understand how we need to program good movement, right? So because what happens is when you look at high performance, it's about the mind can now be free of the body, I don't have to check into the body, I don't have to to think about small details and mechanics, right? Because I've done all that in training, right? So now when I'm performing, I'm free. I'm untethered and I'm present and I'm aware and I'm and that's championship level performance, right? How can now I be so present in this moment? I'm and and in fact if you look at winning a lot of times, is it possibly it's probably more Is it a different in skill level or is it more who can be the most present in that moment, right? And I think that's what when you look at high performance and you could probably relate it to, you know, being up there at the plate or maybe like as a kid growing up and you realize when you were really winning, it's when you were there. And you were in the moment, you weren't in your head, you weren't having doubts and thoughts and all these these weird check-ins to your body, you were really just you were competing you know untethered so i think when we come down to training we have the opportunity to automate this system in that way that when it comes down to performance there's nothing there's there's no inhibitions right and i feel like the more the the, the training protocol can account for and 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 create lots of duplicatable um packages of information for the brain to really store and automate um, then that's going to be available when we need it but when it comes to knee health the thing is we think of everything in this the knee joint just it just basically goes front and backwards right but we forget there's torsion involved right but there's a real limit to the torsion that the knee can provide but the hip is really good at that right the hip's amazing and it's powerful at how we can snap that hip in internal rotation and, and we can open it into that external rotation but what we forget is that's what it helps establish the foot the hip and the foot are connected directly if you look at all the wiring it's really directly connected to your cerebellum which is all your unconscious proprioception which is all the the reactive motions like you stepping off the curve you didn't say oh put my foot out like you don't there's no robotic it's just reaction right and think about good athleticism is just healthy it's just you're programming the right reactive skills to get your body in the right position in the right time right and so when I look at knee health and I look at where you look at non-contact knee injuries and you look at the mechanisms of injuries that occur on the field it's the same thing it is a valgus load where it's uh. A force from the outside pushing this joint that bends front and back to the side and down, right? And then you end up having uh, the the triad, the ACL, and meniscus. But what's missing is that the hip has the capacity to turn that thing this way where it can actually, it's meant to bend like that, right? So there's a, a folding and collapsing inward that uh, that can happen to, and your body is really meant to have that capacity but the fact is we train so linear it, it's like that automated reactive pathway to that lateral force isn't really there for most athletes because they're not training it they're not working the posting and pivoting and turning and twisting and teaching their their knee how to get out the way whenever they get that lateral load or they have that valgus stress
0: so interesting man this is like oh gosh it's so true it's a it's- lot No, but it's it's awesome though, because it's so, it's so, it's just all facts, man. Like we do train a lot of linear that creates these like neurological pathways that we're just used to going linear with everything. And then we need to just learn that everything, everything, everything you just said right there is perfect. Everything's got a little bit of torque to it, a little rotation to it. Every movement we make, even if it's a small one, it, it does. The
1: key word is adaptability. So when I look at training an athlete or training a grandmother it's about, I need to create an adaptive human that has options, right? Okay. They have, they have access and options. So they have, um, so now when there's, um, there's a thing happening, my body has multi, it has available resources and neural pathways to react to that force. And adaptability is one of the, the that should be the, the standard that we're trying to achieve. Um, for any athlete and as individuals, if we're adaptable thinkers, that means that we can react and adapt to multiple situations and we can thrive in those situations that may have previously been very difficult. Um, if we're adaptable athletes, that means we were able to react and adapt to the external forces that are, that we're dealing with to compete,
0: man, this is all golden nuggets. I, uh, function
1: of human. that's a function of human existence as much as it is a uh, specialization. Right. Yeah. Man,
0: Like it's so, it's so interesting to me. I, this is why I, as I get older, Robbie, I geek out on this stuff. Like, I oh, like, I too, think yeah. it's so cool, dude. Like, I'm like, I wish I really, I know everyone says, that. I wish I would've known this when I was younger, but like, that's why you're here. That's why you're doing what you do is you're trying to, you know, help people understand a different perspective. I just, I think it's so cool. Um, yeah. And in the, in the, Here's another question I have to bring up to you because you've trained a lot of younger athletes, but then you train a lot of, you know, professional level or higher level athletes, guys that are a little bit older into their careers. Alan Belcher, obviously, I told you that's kind of how I found you just by following his career, but I saw you and you work with a lot of athletes in the combat sports world and stuff you know a lot of us like myself even I, i've got a shoulder injury had surgery on it i retore it my so my labrum's torn in my shoulder and i'll never get surgery on it again because it's the worst decision i ever made in my life to do surgery on my shoulder so when i retore it i just said now nah, i'm never doing it again so i just you know i just i'm dealing with it basically but i just wonder sometimes i'm like watching stuff from you and i'm like man i want to do all of this at once like i need to fix a lot of things but then i get a little bit overloaded because i'm like i still need to train but i can only do like one thing at a time, I guess, do you run into that a lot with like professional level athletes are like, Oh dang, like I, I need to change a lot of things. I have no flexibility in my ankles, none in my hips. I've just been able to get away with my right hand. Cause it's been powerful my whole life. I don't know. Like, do you ever deal sure. with that? Like, how do you handle oh, yeah. going like step-by-step step with these athletes so that they can eventually get, you know, it all working in sync?
1: So the hardest part is, um, if you look at a lot, for instance, if you look at a pregame up for a football team, it's pretty much the same thing that was happening. Like forever ago. They stand there and they they touch their toes and then they spread their legs out and they grab this foot, you know, and they grab this foot, you know, and it's just bullshit. You know, I look at this stuff now and I'm just like, oh man, like I wish I could just read. I wish I could have access to influence, like just the dynamics of how we're doing these things. And just because it's so kind of, back it just doesn't really meet our objectives if like anybody really steps back enough and you could really just look at things you say like okay nothing we really do out there looks like what we're doing to warm up you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like like you never touch your toes and statically hang on to your hamstrings and just let and just now I'm not to say there's anything wrong with that. It feels good. I do it sometimes. It's a, it's a, like in yoga, it's like a forward fold or something, you know, like, yeah, it feels good to kind of stretch like that. That's fine. But when you're thinking about a cold body that needs to warm up and be ready to run and move and cut and jump, is that what you really, is that, what, is that the inputs you want to put into the body in order to prepare it for those things? <laughs> And to me, it's like no, you don't. You want to do things that are more that match motion and timing and coordination. They have some fluidity in a beginning and an end, not just a, a this this. It's almost like a. It's just the old habits die hard, you know. And culturally, that's it's it's even more true. But um, I think when I look at um, affecting athletes and really trying to get them bought into this thing the biggest thing is realizing that why can't we do prehab as part of the conditioning and make it all it's all connected right so the warm-up in a sense it look it, it almost is just facilitating like we start on the ground for instance right but everything we're doing on the ground or on the wall is what we're fixing to do in space and everything is tiered progression so all the prehab is built in like the 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 warm-up the prehab the the mobility it's all tied into the condition the, the the whole thing so if you look at the ground warm up it's all built off of the you know the posting pivoting and reaching so you're posting on an arm and you're reaching across you're posting on an arm you're reaching across you're using your eyes to track the hand what does that do to my spine it makes it turn right and then it turns right and so you're also, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're stimulating your nervous system and you're, every time my right hand goes across the left side, that information goes from my right hemisphere to the left hemisphere, left hemisphere, to right hemisphere. So you're, you're, you, you got to think about health and performance. It's more about, it's about information exchange, storage, delivery, retrieval. That's kind of the neuroorthopedic model from my standpoint and so when you look at all these warm-ups it should be trying to stimulate the nervous system it should be conducive to crossing sides and realizing that we getting energy transferring from both sides of the hemispheres and we're we're electrifying and lighting up uh, the synchronization the timing the coordination the rhythm um, that's associated with what we're trying to achieve and um, i think we forget sometimes and we we um, we almost can oversimplify things in some ways that allow us to be ineffective, and we overcomplicate things sometimes. You know that make us ineffective. So my goal is always to bring things down to the basic essence of simplicity. In terms of if you look at a lot of the warm up activities um, from the from the beginning and the progression it's really there's a foundation and if i can tell based off of how a person does this thing how they're fixing to do on the next thing because it's because this movement blockage that's happening here it's going to fall into that you know and and at the end of the day if you look at why is my rotation limited here what is this shoulder doing you know like so you're talking about your left labrum for instance right i bet you so one thing i would challenge you on is like instead of doing like traditional isolation stuff like like rotator cuff exercises focus more on what they call like pnf patterns where you're actually coming across but watch the shoulder the opposite shoulder see how it has to get out the way yes. and so most people with previous labor injuries what's happening is this shoulder is not clearing and they're not even thinking about this shoulder because this is the problem shoulder you see what i'm saying right. Yeah. So what my challenge is, is to really think about how this shoulder is supporting by this shoulder pulling back. See how that drives the shoulder forward? Oh, yeah. Right? So if I'm throwing the ball, what's happening in that pitcher with labor problems is that they're not pulling and driving this shoulder out the way. It's just boom. And the chest itself, It's it stops moving. And so a lot of the training is trying to develop this is where power exists <clears throat> it's the spine's ability to turn right and think about if you're trying to create a lot of force and power outward right this little turn here at the spine is equates to a lot of power in in and momentum way out here right and so that's very little, that's that's not very powerful in the sense of what my shoulder can produce by itself. But if I add that to this, right, which is generated all the way from the ground, through my pelvis, through my spine, the shoulder's just a part of that, right? And so now reframing and teaching these things, it's really not about the left shoulder at all anymore. It comes down to now how this right shoulder, the function of its ability to chamber back and and allow and allow this left shoulder to function more optimally and someone that is diverting attention because an injury or previous issue or whatever we have is always going to kind of our mind space inter internally is always going to be kind of there but that could be why nothing else is kind of supporting it and so a part of this is trying to look at creating balance and if we can create a balanced system nature shows us that when homeostasis occurs, everything in nature kind of takes care of itself. Our bodies are designed, they're healing machines and they're, they're, we're, we're functioned to operate with more balance than we're actually utilizing, I guess you could say. We're specialized and if we throw with our right hand, we go right to left, right to left, right to left. So a lot of the conditioning would say like, well, let's try going left to right. And it's like, oh, that's very hard. That's because you're utilizing a part of your nerve. Your nervous system is not familiar with that, right? So sometimes just having a person sit on their ass and follow their left hand to the right side is the where you would want to start to address that discomfort and that that lack of awareness or ability, right? Because it's essentially addressing at a core level with very limited stimulation, And now I'm reducing even gravity's input on my body. And now I've got, I can actually get my mind's eye to focus on this task or target. And so it's very intentional. But my goal is to try to break it into a very simple form where a person doesn't have to know all these things or think in these deeper ways to really be able to get the benefits of it. They can just focus on the task of getting better at tracking their left hand across the right side of their environment and achieving this balance. And what you will see is when you do so, the we're having faith and trust in the body at that point and, and in and it heals. You're dispersing loads through a, a broader portion of the body. And as you learn how to get past that, now we get to the point where we can really push performance, because now we're learning how to take energy that we're pulling from the ground and exert it out way out here, you know, so it started in my foot, it finished with something out here, right, and I think the those are just the dynamics of of inertia and, and physical properties that we all kind of know a little bit about and kind of intuitively understand, and that's the part of where I'm that's how i kind of try to get people really bought into these um into this this i don't want to even call it a system Into to these ideas um is really based off of i'm speaking towards their intuition that's why this resonates with you because you're like you know what i already know what you're talking about even though i haven't heard this before in a way like it makes sense and um and i think that's the goal it's just trying to be very logical and, and just like I said earlier, my number one principle is just personal integrity. Uh, I feel like if we all really function with high level of personal integrity, that in a sense, like all we're really trying to do is just get to the truth of what is the most effective And it. Yeah, I, it I promise you, I'd be the first one. If somebody can confront me and say, Robbie, here's where you're wrong. I'd be sitting there listening with an open mind, trying to empathize with their point. Not because, uh, it, for no other reason, because that's the most effective way for me to truly absorb what that counter argument may be. I need to, to empathize with them, not try to find where they're wrong. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I can always determine that later on, later on on my own. But in this moment where I'm trying to learn and trying to connect with this, that's really how I've always kind of looked at it. And, um, you know, and I think that when it comes down to it, um you can't beat truth and just like i said my attraction to fighting it's just because it's so honest and i think uh this is really what i'm pursuing is trying to just find a more honest mechanism to help people connect with their own bodies and their own intuition and um in in these feelings that we have with motion it's like man this feels good you know well you know, well, that's that's a reinforcement, you know, and that's that's your own intuition and your own internal feedback mechanism telling you, like, yeah, that means you're on the right path, you know. Dude,
0: it's so cool listening to you. Man. I could, I, I honestly, I know, you, obviously, like that wouldn't work, but I could talk to you for hours and just like listen <laughs> to this information. But I want to ask you as we as we get to the end of the interview, and I'm going to encourage people to follow you too. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to share all all the the places that you do this because there's a lot of listeners that I have that are probably in the Western part of the United States. I mean, we have listeners from all over the country and hopefully we'll have more now with, with your, um, your interview, but over here. So they might want to know, like, how do I even get like information from this guy He's over on the other side of the country. But um, you work with a lot of high level athletes. Is there, you don't necessarily have to say a name if you're not allowed to, but is there an athlete that um, you've worked with that you've learned something from in regards to whether it's movement or just something that you took away from their mindset or anything of that nature? And what was it, if that's the case?
1: Well, Alan is really like when I took that step four years ago and I stepped into the performance world, I did it on really. Uh, sitting at a stop, it's a place called Sal station across from Allen. You know, Alan was at that point, he was arm wrestling and bodybuilding and doing all these things. And he, had, he's, he was doing well, like he had done a lot was the business and different things. But I think we're both at a point in our life, you know, right around your age. Um, you know, um, I think I'm four years older than you. How old are you? you said 35, I'm 35, 35. 35. OK, I'm 38. So okay. um, it's kind of right in that that ballpark. It's almost like a paradigm. I swear it's just like if something clicks and it's just like maybe it's because you feel like, OK, I'm I still feel like I have a lot left in the tank. You know, like I still feel like, you know, there's goals that I can achieve athletically. And there's um, and I still have the time to make to, to do it, you know, and, uh, and in terms of this is Alan talking to me. Right. And so this is really. It's not good. This, is the, is, it yeah, this is the time where I'm really trying to to move from a clinical practice into this performance world and let's do this together, you know, and I'll give you my best and you give me your best and we'll show up every day we've scheduled a time from between 9 30 and 11 30 monday through friday where it's basically this is where it all started just show up and we just show up and um and he had and you know trusting me to 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 put thought in in the programming and really try to 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 prepare him for what he needed to to do which is coming from these 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 sports and competitions that he was doing. Literally, he formed elbow contractures. He couldn't really straighten his arms well. His reach and punching was really limited based off of that. So it, it allowed me, it was a perfect match because where I'm at in my career, it's really trying to push and develop a model, a performance model. And uh, what he did is he gave me access to really apply and practice and experiment uh, which I've been doing for years. I mean, I've been doing that for 15 years, you know, um, in terms of experimenting and trying things. And I have a select group of athletes that I've always worked with. And I look at it like it's experimentation, but it's also it's it's done in a controlled manner where I'm not just throwing them to the wolves. Like I'm really informed and I've done my due diligence. Um, so now I'm kind of, a, you know, they're they're kind of my test subjects in a lot of ways. I've refined that and and over the the course of my career I've been able to really cut the fat and also realize how significant it is to stop doing the wrong things and a lot of the things that we were talking about earlier even when you cut the fat you literally just took 50 percent of the work off your plate now you're now that's energy that's still on deck right and now let's say you plug the remaining energy into learning about interoception or learning about breath work right and and learning how to challenge your emotions and how to um, confront yourself and how to um uh, develop a deeper sense of presence and um and through my pursuit of helping him, it's allowed me to accelerate as an individual, as a person, as a martial artist, as well as a performance coach. Um, I feel like it's given me so much because it's given me such a firm direction to help him reach very attainable goals. He, he, and we've already, we now we're just knocking goals down. I mean, he, he won the BKFC world title, which was our first goal. Um, so he's, he's the heavyweight bare knuckle champion. He's the best bare knuckle fighter in the world. Like, that's not really, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that, um, and, and then he's moving on to bare knuckle MMA, you know, and he just kind of, uh, crossed the first box on his pursuit to a bare knuckle MMA world title, um, and as a heavyweight. And so, um we're on this journey, man. And I mean, there's so many nuances and paths that we've been on so many places we've traveled and so many experiences we've had and ups and downs. And, um, and, but it's a second chance for us too, because, you know, he had his, he ended his career at 26 and then went into business. And now he, in a sense, it's a chance for both of us to reinvent ourselves and to really find this next chapter of our life. And, um, and he was, been uh instrumental for me and i'm sure he would say the same i've been instrumental for him but it we le- we've leaned into each other and complimenting each other in, in such a great way and um where we can still confront each other but we're both trying to do what i was saying earlier so instead of like a counter argument it's like well let's just focus that same energy on trying to empathize with one another versus trying to prove a point and, um, and we, we kill our egos on a daily basis. And we, we focus on that as a, as a, as a way, a source of light. And um, it's been such a, um, it's given so much. And if you've looked how my life has changed and his life has changed and how many people's lives we've impacted over this course, it's turned into something so much bigger. Um, this is more or less a, we both kind of have, have discovered this is a mission. This is a purpose, a path that we're on to help influence young men and to help improve mental health. Um, and in doing so, we both are, are on the path to help and improve our own mental health that we all, I feel like all men battle with, you know, are we're not really, um, we're not set up for, nothing's set up for success when it comes to men's mental health, you know, um, and so that's been the best part of this journey is all these wonderful things that we've been able to uncover and if you look at what we do and you look at my page i hope that anybody that's really interested in getting more involved or kind of knowing more or kind of pursuing some of these ideas is to realize that it's all connected to your emotional health your your emotional well-being and your emotional intelligence and the ability to 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 understand how you respond to when you're not good at something and whenever I have to or I find a problem through this part of this this thing is self-assessment and self-analysis so if you look at a lot of these activities they're meant to be of self benchmark to where I can feel what I did today and when I do it tomorrow I'm going to feel where I'm at and eventually I'll have a benchmark for that for my progress that's yours and I can now you can kind of self-guide in a way, and know where you started and where you, where you're at now. And but it's all sensory, right? And, but we want something words like we want language and we want a narrative and all these other things. But that's all ego. And so it's like it's the the idea is that it's like what good is having great mobility if you're still like a shallow kind of emotional wreck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So I look at it like they all come and it all comes together. And I think as you develop some of the fluidity and the mobility and the balance in the body, what you're also doing is you're challenging your own emotional state. Because when you come to that point where you find that imbalance and you feel that frustration, I still feel it. We all feel it. And you have that moment where you're like, okay, you get a little hot, a little sweaty, a little frustrated. What do you do now? You know how do you respond and did you even notice because most people that's the first the most important skill is just learning how to notice the changes right and, and and giving it credence like all right you know like i'm feeling this way or whatever step back from it take a breath reset and and let's let's confront it again you know and to doing that in a healthy way and doing it in a way that has a positive feedback loop to to promoting self-love right? Self encouragement. Um, And I think of it like, in a sense, like it's a pathway to re raising, we have to re raise ourselves and realize that um, it is our responsibility to heal our wounds. It's our responsibility to, it's ours, or else, it, you know, in a sense, like nobody can do it for us. And there's no other pathway to improving. And I've always looked at that, like, I'm not I don't want to just help a person move better, I really want to help a person be better. I want them to find something within themselves to, to, um, in the power within themselves. Like we have so much power within ourselves and there's so much we can learn from within. Um, And I think that gets discounted a lot. And I think if you look over ancient history, that was, they understood that, you know, and I think a lot of our ancestors, um, this was more normal. You know, these were things that like a lot of what, even when you look at, yoga and a lot of these practices these are ancient practices that are paradigms that existed across the world that even when they weren't communicating with each other it's because it's within us this is all kind of the important part here is that through this process of kind of self-discovery you realize that that you have a lot of information that's inside you don't have to open a book and take information from the outside inward sometimes if you go inward it's there waiting for you you know, and I, and I think that's been the coolest and the funnest part of this journey. And with me and Alan and uh, Chase Sherman, another heavyweight fighter, who's where I've, he's, I started with him uh, almost 15 years ago now. Wow. in the clinic, Brandon Davis, Jason Knight. Um, I've had experiences with all those guys in the clinic, helping them through knee injuries and rib injuries and shoulder injuries and separated shoulders and this and that, like I've been pretty much Everybody that's came out of that camp, I've really been their primary healthcare provider over the last ten years, and uh, and it's given me a lot. To um, I feel so lucky because I've been able to learn uh, in conditions that most people in my shoes don't get to learn. Like those people would maybe be in an orthopedics office, where well these like you got some of these guys you know that don't have health insurance. Like they don't have any other options. And so in those cases, like I've had grade three separated shoulders that I've been able to fully get back into full performance within six weeks. Uh, no surgery. Just just trying to be intuitive and, and use a smart protocol to heal and manage the problem and to to um and to get them back back in action. And and I'm not saying doing it in a way where it's like even leaving them hampered, like I'm talking one hundred percent return with no issues to stem from them uh chase had the same thing at a grade three separation and that's actually how i connected with chase sherman initially that was my first interaction and diving into this world was him coming me with the collarbone that was sticking up out of his uh shoulder like this and i was just like oh well you know it's like i'll give it my best shot you know <laughs> yeah. and sure enough you know to this day he has no issues with that shoulder in fact he yeah. has issues with the other shoulder but not this one um and but yeah man i've just been really lucky and um and i've i've been able to just have be welcomed into dealing with a lot of high level problems and and i look at myself now as just a i'm just help people solve problems you know and uh and it's the same philosophies that help you solve these problems that would help you solve any problems you know you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time you have to you have to break it into pieces, and you have to systematically approach it. You know, um, in the correct order. You can't just jump on step four. You know, while you're yes. on trying to get to step two. You really got to be smart about um, developing a, a a nice systematic approach to doing it, and then just being patient and letting and understanding that if you keep attacking things like this, that you're going to win. It may take some time. It might not happen as fast as you'd like it to, but it'll happen. You know
0: for sure man man this yeah. is ah dude I uh I've enjoyed like I'm like geeking out and you know you name named dropped a couple of guys like I said we've, we mentioned Alan a couple of times on here he's gonna like he probably won't ever hear this but who knows I'm trying I want to get Alan on my show one of these days and we were about to do one a couple months ago but he got super busy probably because he was he was prepping for a boxing match and then he went into the you know game bread fighting stuff so like you know how it all was going down so yeah it never worked out but i I actually resonate it sounds stupid but i feel like i resonate with him because you were talking about like i remember him like leaving and then randomly like popping up in the bkfc and i i've been following bkfc since they started just because i love combat sports i'm a former boxer myself so i i enjoy the bkfc some people don't even like that i'm like no i think it's a cool promotion i have a respect for different people who think of things differently so anyway I've, i've been watching the bkfc and saw him go through there and i've always just kind of followed him i'm like oh and i like so he came back like he's back in action like I, I just thought it was cool i was like he's a little bit later in life and like you were saying i was like i kind of feel like i want to do something like that so
1: anyway, sure it's, <laughs> it's, it's inspiring and that's the it thing It is if the if, if our pursuit and our purpose and our passion in life isn't inspiring people then you know what i'm saying is it really worth it you know because ultimately if it's not inspiring or drawing some inspiration from people then it's probably not a big enough goal or it's probably just a little too safe or you know like it's probably not a a big enough pursuit um to to, that's good for you actually you know so even with your podcast and what you're doing think about how you're you're being a conduit of, of information purveyor of truth right like you're giving people platforms to share and to learn and to grow and so i think uh you're already in in the same vein like we're we're kind of in a way we're all kind of trying to achieve the same thing is to help people right. And to put out good, solid information in a world. That's full of bullshit, (laughs) you know? So what other sports are you kind of, uh, are you, you kind of cover everything?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've interviewed, I mean, from female hockey players through NFL guys. I mean, I've had Eddie George, Ricky Williams, I mean, a plethora NBA guys. Uh, pe- women basketball players overseas soccer players i mean i've had professional runners on the show i've had people that are in like not necessarily your specific but you're the first one ever in seven years of like your specific deal because you kind of do your thing but i've had yeah. you know trainers on the show you know who've done certain things people from nil markets i mean we're trying my whole goal robbie is just to deliver a panoramic view on sports i want to kind of see mm. athletics through a different sphere because i just don't want people to think everyone's just a bunch of dumb jocks there's a lot of cool things sure. you can learn through the athletic world so
1: well, I have another guy that, that you'll probably if you're really kind of plugged into um, sports, um, but he's he was drafted by the Tigers. His name's Colt Keith. Uh, okay. He was drafted. He was drafted by the Tigers three years ago, and um, this is kind of probably going to be his coming out party this year. And I've been I've had the opportunity to work with him over the last several uh, months, and. Um, I'm thinking he's going to show some really big things. He had like 27 home runs last year, uh, like a, hey. almost a three fifty batting average. Like he's a stud um, baseball player, and he'll be a no, no. He's just a stud, and uh, in the coming years, you're definitely going to start noticing him up in the uh, MLB ranks. Um, but yeah, he'll he's working. His, more than likely, he'll probably get called up this year. That's kind of what it's looking like, but. Even then, if he doesn't this year, I'm sure in the next year or two, it'll definitely be his time. But uh, he's a big name to kind of look out for Colt Keith. And then, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work with such a diverse group of people where I have, you know, orthopedic surgeons and uh, like, I have just normal people that I enjoy working with and I put as much energy and effort into them as I would, uh, the highest level guy. Like it really, it doesn't matter to me what level a person's on. I'm just, I'm interested in really working with people that are just really trying to push themselves and become better. And they're, they're open to growth and, uh, pursuing goals, you know, and, and for me, it's so wonderful. Cause I get to like piggyback and get kind of the rewards from, uh, from support level, but I feel just as, I feel so gratified to seeing uh, people that I work with be able to accomplish their dreams in a way that's kind of become my uh, my main mission is just to try to almost uh, provide enough value to as many people as I can. And in a way, the rewards are limitless, you know, the more people I can help, the more it's, you know, I get to kind of live in the glory from their accomplishments as well, and just feel those good feelings, and and be a part of that journey. And uh, and I feel so lucky to to have that opportunity. And uh, I feel like it's part of my uh, giftedness, or it's part of my purpose in life. And I think everybody should really be aware of what that is, and uh, realize that a lot of times I feel like when we feel anxious or we feel like we're not moving in the right direction it's really like the universe is tugging at you to live in your gifts and to and to really share those things with the world and to um impart that into your life and um i think that's just a common message or theme that anybody listening to this could take um is just to move towards your giftedness and realize that if you're not like a lot of the anxious anxiety and the different things that we might feel it's just like the, it's it's like the universe is tugging us saying like it's our God's tugging you and saying like hey like I bless you with these abilities and you're not using them you know and so get after it <laughs> yeah
0: dude I love that advice man Robbie um uh, for those like I said earlier who are over here and they're they they do not live near you but they might want to like get that information do you, I don't know if you offer any online services or anything but like how can they get information is it following your Instagram channel like how can they connect with the the information you put out
1: sure well for now um so like i said i'm a businessman like i really uh like kind of this is almost like a side life for me <laughs> in a way because i really um a lot of my um focus and a lot of where i've been successful is in the outpatient physical therapy practice and developing and growing that as an institution and kind of building that into a, a, a self sustaining. thing Um, But what I'm working on now with my new facility is actually stepping into where now I can really go forth and create some solid programming and really create some, some uh, systems, you know, like that's kind of been the hard part is that I've always been really hesitant to start to label and systematize things because I feel like then you could begin to limit it. Yeah. But I feel very confident, comfortable at this point, like I've kind of put that white belt on and I feel like I'm really confident and comfortable where I feel like what I have to offer and as I'm breaking these things down into systems, that it is kind of what I feel like to be the way um, and not um, in any way am I trying to force feed anything that I don't feel like is truth, you know. And uh, and I've seen where functional patterns or or Goda or these other systems it becomes so nasty and combative and how they um, begin to defend their systems and it causes just as to me it can cause as much issue problems as it can help in some cases. Um, but um, in, Instagram is my main platform in terms of where I just kind of share things. I have a YouTube channel that I don't really update as much as I would, and um and different outlets like that but instagram is pretty much my main platform that i actually put it, time and energy into to to doing uh everything else i'm kind of waiting till i get to that point where i can really build things out and hire and train resources to really help me distribute all this content without it affecting my quality of life yeah so at this point at this point i'm not going to be married to something and if it takes away my time and attention for my kids and my family or these other things, like, um, it's really not that important, you know. Um, but as far as what I started doing Instagram for, it was just to have a way to document and to share things with people. Um, I'm not monetizing anything in any way at this point. And obviously, whenever I get into my new facility and I start doing this and I start hiring people and resources, then obviously I will because then it'll be a kind of a business into itself. Um, but if anybody really wants to reach out to me through instant messages or anything, I'm constantly, um, you know, talking to and interacting with people with different types of issues. And I don't have any, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to where, you know, I can generally, I can create the time and space to, to have a conversation with somebody and to kind of help them with their issues to the extent that I can. Um, but yeah, just keep with me through Instagram and then need, Neolife PT is my company, so if you want to learn a little bit more about neuroorthopedic, uh, that neuroorthopedic model, and uh, and uh, a little bit more about kind of what we do, and that's a um, there's a lot of information on my website, which is uh, www.neolifept.com, n-e-o-l-i-f-e-p-t.com sweet
0: man i will put those here in the description for all those who are listening i know there's going to be a lot actually i already know this for a fact so that will be in the description you guys can already look down there uh link to his website link to his instagram highly encourage everybody to follow and just kind of see the information that you put out and robbie i just want to say thanks brother thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule i know you're busy and i appreciate you making that time and space for me today and for for our listeners and I just encourage all those who are listening, to hit the subscribe button. If you guys feel the need, like it would be awesome if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show get out to more and more people, helps Robbie's message get out to more people. But either way, I appreciate everybody tuning in and we'll be coming to you guys next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks guys. Appreciate your support.